You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Erica Newhouse. Erica is a phenomenal actor and teacher who I've always admired. We were at Juilliard at the same time and had the chance to work on a dance piece together a few years ago with choreographer Lucy Baker. Erica is a thoughtful, generous artist, and I'm so glad to be talking with her on the podcast today. We recorded this episode at Erica's apartment. I took my equipment over there, so there's a little bit more street noise than usual in the background. And you'll also hear Erica's eight-month-old daughter, Luna, in the background as well, who was uh, hanging out with us for the first half of our conversation, which was great. I hope you enjoy the 25th episode of The Compass. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Luna is very excited too. <laughs> hi. Do you want to say hi, Luna? No. Yeah. So what do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist? That's a huge question. Yeah. Um, well, I there are a bunch of things um and i i feel like i have to go to them pretty often <laughs> um not so much because i'm going to go to a dark side but i just go to a a bored side and and um but um i think you know that my husband and i lived in uh, a tiny room for 6 years in a hotel in an sro and it's a single room occupancy. So it's owned by the city and it's rent stabilized. And we paid basically nothing. And we lived in Tribeca. Um, and so we felt like we couldn't move because we, we both weren't making a lot of money. And we lived in this great neighborhood. And um, it was like... housing. Exactly. Exactly. It was like a little over 100 square feet, and there was no kitchen, and there was just a bathroom. Um, and so I love to cook, and um, <laughs> I'm reaching for the microphone. Um, I love to cook, and so after a while, after we'd lived there for at least a year, um, I started to get really frustrated. Um, and also just with auditioning and... Um, you know, I wasn't working a ton. I was working from time to time. And so I invested in some more uh, cookware and, and kitchen things. And I started cooking in my bathroom. And I started writing a blog about it called Cook Without a Kitchen, which I've stopped writing, but I feel like I should need to get back to. I have a kitchen now, but um, something to do with maybe motherhood or something. <laughs> but... Um, I, in this teeny tiny space, I made homemade pasta and pies and, and I would make stews in the toaster oven and like, and roast meat and make homemade chicken soup in a, in an electric skillet. And, um, we would keep like the bathroom door shut and I'd always have the window open so we wouldn't set the fire alarm off and have sprinklers go off and things like that. Um, uh... 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's still there. Um, so that was like a huge writing became a huge outlet for me because writing doesn't take up any space. Um, all you need is a computer, and and I felt like I could communicate with an audience when I couldn't, you know, by being on stage. And so that was really, really satisfying and. Um, and a lot of things sort of sprung up from that that I that I didn't pursue because I didn't want to lose focus with acting. But um, uh, I don't know if that was a mistake or not. Maybe I should have pursued. There was some some interest in like writing a book, and I worked with somebody and shot a little pilot of a of a little cooking without a kitchen show, and and all of these things just sort of. I just didn't, I didn't fully pursue them because I didn't want, um, acting to come second, I think. Um, but who knows if that was, who knows if that was the right decision or not. Um, and also while we were living in this teeny tiny room, um, I started to sew and I made a bunch of quilts and, um, I'd have, use a, um, a, a TV dinner tray that you would like eat dinner on in front of the, the television um and I had a a cutting mat and um and I would like hand wash the fabric and hang it up in the shower and and then sit in bed and quilt while we watched tv or something like that um um I sewed by hand yeah yeah um and so those were some major outlets for me, and um, and then cooking. I mean, cooking has always been something that I love to do. And then, uh, yeah, it's like I made this, and I can see the yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Right, right. Right, and you it's you know you can make something better than you would get in a restaurant, and you didn't pay as much, and you can sit at home and enjoy it, and there's not somebody like loud talking next to you, or you know. Um, so so those are those are two things, and then I started teaching um, five years ago uh, up at Sarah Lawrence, and it has. Which is crazy. Um, and it wasn't something that I pursued. It wasn't, I didn't think that I could teach. I didn't, um, I didn't know how I would teach. I didn't know what I would teach. And I assumed that um, because I, I really admired, especially the teachers that we had at Juilliard, that um, I would never, I could never know as much as they did and or be such an expert or something like that. But um, I I was offered the job because I I went there under you know as an undergraduate and uh, and I just started to do it I I got the job in August and we started school in September and um, and now five years later I really love it and I gotten another class and so I find that I mean that just feeds my acting work directly because it means that twice a week every week I get to work with students and um, and 
looking at their work and watching them work. <laughs> Luna's trying to eat the microphone. Um, watching their work and having something, trying to come up with something critical and, and interesting and supportive to say about it is a creative process in itself, I think, and challenges me and makes me look harder and examine people's work harder and, and therefore... I think examine my own work at the same time so when I'm auditioning I you know something that came up in class I'll think about or um Definitely. I mean, there are, you know, from time to time, I'll have an audition and I'll come out and I'll think, man, if, if one of my students had brought that in, I would have like gone right after, you know, whatever major thing it was, it was left out. Um, Yeah. So what has the evolution been in five years? How did you kind of gain the confidence? And was it kind of the fake it till you make it for ten years? Yes. <laughs> yeah, which I think I realize is what everybody does. <laughs> right, everybody's fake. Totally, especially when somebody just says, teach whatever you want. Like, it's your class. Go ahead. You know, you're in charge. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I totally – I mean, I still feel like I'm faking it all the time. But at the same time, I also instantly at the beginning realized how much I, I actually do know and that I have – opinions and that I and that I really care about helping people with their work um and it's a nice feeling to know that I've gone through like eight years of of school of training and that I actually have something to say as a result of it you know um and that I I I also feel like I'm able to offer something that is not necessarily offered by most of the other faculty. And so I feel like I have a unique voice um, where I'm teaching as opposed to um, just filling in, you know, for someone or um, teaching something by the book. It's just a BA. Yeah, it's just a liberal arts school. And so students of all backgrounds can come, experienced and unexperienced, um, which is exciting and challenging. It's great to have a student come in in the fall and, you know, I'll see some of their work and think, well, this person is most likely never going to be an actor. Um and then by the end of the year, see them do amazing, beautiful, free work that I never would have imagined and that I don't think they would have either. 
um, and that's really, really gratifying. Um, I'm, I'm reminded all the time that acting is a craft and that it can be learned and that it's not just about talent. Yeah. To, of course, teaching it as a as a craft and as an art that can be enjoyed. I'm not being very clear. <laughs> uh, no, I I completely understand what you're saying, and I I get frustrated all the time because because Juilliard was such an, an intense and specific experience, and and after going through it, it's hard to imagine somebody acting and not having gone through a conservatory program just because you know i understand my voice and my body and and how to analyze a script so well as a result of it and because it it you know the pedagogy is cohesive and everybody's on the same page and and everybody's working towards the same thing and so being in a liberal arts environment um where it's sort of like a you it's like a a, a smorgasbord kind of you could take a little of this and a little of that and the, and and a little bit here and there and so um it's not as it's not necessarily as holistic there a student isn't gonna leave knowing ipa or um necessarily having a really full understanding of voice and speech work and things like that um or maybe even leaving feeling like they have a process, but it's more about um, the beginnings of it. And so uh, with all of that said, I know that most of my students are going to go off and do something completely different than acting, be doctors, be writers, um, uh, be public servants, uh, start nonprofits, things like that. Exactly, exactly. They might be concentrating on something completely different. Um, music, poetry, you know, any of those things. Um, they might go on to be lawyers. And I, I think that, you know, especially with millennials where there are articles coming out all the time about how disconnected people are from each other because of technology – and how people's communication skills are really suffering as a result of that, right? You're learning to communicate right now. <laughs> um, and I, I truly believe that people who take a theater class, even if it's just one class, that it has a huge impact on how they relate to people in the world in their, in their jobs, no matter what they're doing. And that the better you know yourself and the better you're able to communicate and understand how uh, a story impacts 
something that you are are trying to get done um you know how how that how that helps how narrative helps and and just how um <laughs> you're so distracting and so cute um but basically i i in some ways i'm happy to be in a in a liberal arts college because we're not sending pe- we're not taking people in and saying like you know you you're going to spend all this money and then you're going to be an actor which is which as we know is not always the case you know you can get the best training in the world and you can be the best actor in the world and you can not work yeah. um but i i do think that acting has helped in every business creative personal relationship that i've had and um and i think i think it's i think it's important um and i think it's interesting that arts programs are in high demand right now you know um colleges their theater departments are bursting at the seams um and i think part of that is that everybody wants to be famous a little bit <laughs> or start their like YouTube. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, but I really, I mean, I like, I worry about it. I, it, it's $60,000 a year to go to Sarah Lawrence and I'm sure most other liberal arts colleges are around the same. And so it's really important to me that my students are not only getting trained, um, but that if they do want to move into the business, that they're getting some um, guidance with that as well. Now, the last time I saw you, you were very pregnant with Luna. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, this is my other creative project. This has been my most recent creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And I just remember, I don't know if you remember this, but you had said, actually, I, I know I'm acting, but my body doesn't. And you had thought that doing the theater more when you're really pregnant, you're like putting yourself through these great tragedies. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I worked up until the end. Um, theater of War brings Greek tragedies to the... Um, armed forces uh, community to help with suicide prevention. And so very often I'll go off onto an army base and read the role of Tecmessa from Ajax, which involves a lot of wailing and screaming and, and crying. And, and in general, the, the performances are fast and loud. Um, and I did one last spring, I think when I was seven months pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I, after, after, uh, one performance, I felt Luna, like, turning around and kicking, and I think I got her pretty excited, and that was the last time that I, that I did it, but, um, then after I had Luna, when she was, 
not yet um, a month old. <laughs> I have a hand in my mouth. Um, I, I got a call. You have two auditions. They, my, my manager hadn't even sought them out for me. They were, they were requests, which I hadn't gotten in a while. Right. But it had been like, you know, like a year since somebody was like, we specifically want, you know, Erica to come in. And so I immediately (laughs) just started crying because I was so overwhelmed. Like, when you have a little baby, it's just, it's exhausting and you're, you don't feel like you're, you're in your body. And, um, but I, I went on the audition and I somehow like, you know, put on some makeup and got my hair done and put on some Spanx and (laughs) squeezed into a dress. And, um, and I, and I went on it and I've, I've been auditioning ever since. And, um, and I don't know if it's the hormones or being a parent, but um, it's definitely easier to access my emotional life since I've had a kid. But my memory is also just completely really? ruined. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you felt a change with like being able to keep the importance of the audition in check or like let it go afterwards, or kind of not getting into that obsessive place of? I yeah I um I barely prepare for auditions anymore and when I leave I'm like running to Luna or work or or something else and so in a way that's been really nice like I don't think about them anymore um and and in a way uh, you know, I always want to do really good work when I'm in the room. So I'm, I make sure that I've done enough work to feel good about what I'm doing. Um, but after that, I, there's just so, there's so many other things that need my attention that I, that, I, that I don't think about it anymore. Um, and that's, and that's been really good. And I've also, I mean, we've been out maybe this spring is going to be eight years I guess since we've you know been out of school and since I've been doing this thing and I've been pushing it and giving it my all for those eight years and I feel like you know Luna is going to be little for only so long and so if that's my focus right now then maybe I just need a little break I mean I'll always go on an audition but I definitely don't have, um, it's not that I don't have the drive, because I want the work, um, but it's just not something that I worry about so much anymore, think about, and I guess that's also because over those years, I've been able to find jobs that have grown and become flexible that I can live off of. So I'm not dependent upon an acting job. So it's just something that would be great, but is not necessary. Um, and I'm, I'm honestly not sure where I am right now with, with acting. I think I've been like wondering what, what I want from it or what I'm trying to do with it for a while. Um, 
And so that's something that I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to figure out, but I'm conscious that I'm not sure what my relationship with it is, even though I still want to do it. Um, Right. There's so much luck involved. Um, and um, <laughs> yeah. And for a creative person, it's like after a certain point, <clears throat> you don't want to wait around for for somebody to give you a, an opportunity to be creative. You know. Yeah. Well, I also, um, in addition to teaching, I also manage the household of an Upper East Side family. And it's something where I originally just started out as a babysitter, um, kind of a nanny. And then it just grew and grew. And so I never imagined that when I was in my mid-30s with a baby that I would still be doing childcare, but it's actually amazing and I'm able to bring my daughter with me to work um, and because of the hard work that I've put in in the previous years and they want to keep me um, it's my my title has grown and I can hire other people to do the work that I don't want to and and still live on what I make. Um, and so that's been really good. And I, th- and I think that sticking with a job that was really working for me, that maybe I didn't imagine I would be doing, and is not something that, like, I would put... You know, I, that I would, that I would, right, right. It's not a dream job, but in a way it is a dream because I get to be, I get to be with Luna. I make good money. I get to teach. I get to set my own schedule. Um, I work for people that I love and, and that's great, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not stuck in an office or... Hold on, we should be giving all our attention to you. Yes. Can we pause for a second? <laughs> well, they're both artists, so... <laughs> So they're supportive. Um, my mother's an illustrator, and my dad is a painter, sculptor, and then he taught for many years at Drexel University. Taught art. Um, so they get it. Yeah. Um, I think that regardless of whether you're an artist or 
you know, uh, in finance or starting a business, an entrepreneur, that New York is just hard, you know, no matter what you're doing. And living here is really hard. And so I think, I think that for them, they probably, I mean, they completely support that, that this is where we live and that, and New York is great. And I think it's, you know, a great place to raise a kid when they're really little. Um, cause there's just so much to do with a small kid, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that, that for them, you know, the, the most, like, it's not so much, I don't call them <laughs> and grumble about acting as much as I do New York City. <laughs> like, oh, I was just trapped on the subway for, like, 20 minutes and the power went out or something, or... You know, I just lugged 50 pounds of groceries, like 10 blocks or something. So they're totally supportive of all of my creative endeavors. And they and they get that, you know, I have a patchwork, um, that my income is patchwork and that I have a bunch of different jobs. And and as long as I'm happy, um, they're they're happy and they totally get it. Um, but I think that probably as a parent, they do worry about the stress that's involved in living with living in, in the city. Um, and they, they just gave us one of their cars because of that stress level, um, which has it is it has significantly lowered it. You know, <laughs> for me, that is like nothing compared to lugging a twenty-pound baby up and down flights of like subway steps and onto the subway and and because I I bring her to work with me you know getting home close to bedtime and then if you're just stuck on a train or a bus or something like that it just it's maddening because you just want to be home and at least with the car even if I'm stuck in traffic I can create our own environment and so even though I we are now contributing to pollution and uh greenhouse gases and all of that um living in Brooklyn anyway with a car has has been made things much easier and it also has made the commute up to Sarah Lawrence it's an you know an hour instead of two hours and that's uh, that is enormous um yeah mm-hmm I do, yeah. And my students look at, you know, watch her. <laughs> and she loves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Went along. Yeah. 
What did your mom do? Um, she was a French teacher when I was very little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I feel incredibly spoiled and lucky and um and it's weird because for many many years I thought how could how could I ever raise a child in New York City? I mean, how could I how could I even conceive of that? I'm yeah, and and I just like the money that it takes to live here and to raise a kid. I just thought we'll be impoverished. Like we'll have to go on food stamps or something. And 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 that was my thinking, you know, when I right when I got out of school and I wasn't making any money. And it's like, you know, even when I worry about acting or other jobs every year I always just do a little bit better than than the year before which doesn't mean that it's not full of you know rough patches and doesn't mean that I'm always making the same amount of money or things like that but it's definitely gotten better um, and easier to live in the city the longer that I've lived here and I just can't believe that we have a kid and an apartment and a car (laughs) because like three years ago I would have thought that all of that was impossible and and some you know sometimes I'm very conscious when I'm teaching and you know that my students are like oh you know she's this she's she's got a kid of course like she's a teacher and she has a kid and she has a car and she has a husband and that's what grown-ups do and like of course she has all of those things and like you know I I don't want to hear about that I'm interested in in acting and what I'm doing and um but yeah (laughs) yeah but for me it's like I can't believe that those things are are happening and it hasn't been without some help along the way but um but for the most part, I mean, Chris and I are, you know, we're doing it on our own pretty much. And and it's a lot of work, but but we're making it happen and and that is really really satisfying. You know, acting work or, or not. Yeah. Just the fact that we're able to Yeah, yeah. 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 And just because you're working doesn't mean that you're happier. Yeah. You know? (laughs) I mean, that's the other thing is that when you're in school, it's like delicious and wonderful. And like you're getting to work on all these roles and you're supported by your peers and you're making great friends and you've got a faculty that that is supporting you and and everything is great and then you get out into the world and and it's rare that you get to work on a job where you feel 
like you actually have creative input where um, where it's not just a job and so I look at some of my friends who are really successful and of course I would love to you know <laughs> have, have that degree of success as well but they're also working all the time and People in New York who, you know, who are making like the million dollars and things like that. I mean, they're working, they're working all the time and work really is a priority and family not as much. And when I was growing up, it sounds like it was kind of similar to you. My parents were around all the time. My mom freelanced out of the house and my dad taught at a, at a university. And so he taught twice a week and the rest of the time he was home. And so you know, my mom was cooking dinner and they were gardening and they were fixing things and my dad was making furniture and we, we, we were always together and we were always making the things that made our life better as opposed to buying the things that, that made our lives better, if that makes sense. And, and it's, you know, I might not be doing what I want to be doing all the time but I have the time to actually have a family life and that is really important to me because I don't think I'd want to be away all the time with Luna and even with my partner you know um I definitely made my marriage a priority um and I'm and I'm thankful that I did. And you know, I I I could have made other choices and who knows if they'd they would have led me somewhere different. But that's not really the kind of life that I want. And Chris is an artist too, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how has that like prevented you to creating that mindset? Well, it's nice that we're both not in the same field um and I I've never actually (laughs) dated another actor so I don't I can't really speak to like competition or you know if anything like that but um it's it's great being with a creative person because they they understand that even when nothing is happening like even when you know you haven't had an audition or you know hadn't had a job in a while that it is still important that just being able to be ready to go when the opportunity arises is really important um like we always go down to North Carolina for our uh, summer vacation with family and every year I say you know if job comes up and I can't make it and he's always really understanding and of course as soon as we arrive and like get all settled in I get some audition that I have to put myself on tape for which is really stressful yeah always but I think that that's been really important in having a partner who gets that you know when the phone rings I have to I have to jump um and Chris has had an on again off again relationship with his art and he's writing poetry right now and I think that in the city 
depending on the amount of space that you have, you have to adjust your creative life to that. So if you have like lots of studio space or an office or lots of rehearsal space, you can make things. But if you don't and you just have your apartment, then it turns more to writing and and the things that can be done, um, you know, at home that don't take up a lot of space and things. So I think we're both kind of in that place right now. But yeah. No, I mean, we lived in this teeny tiny room for six years, and then <laughs> we got busy pretty fast as soon as we got a real apartment. <laughs> it did not take long for us to get pregnant. I think we got this apartment in July, and I got pregnant in October. <laughs> um, so no, I, and and Chris is in his early 40s, and so, I mean, it, it was just time. Like We've been waiting. Okay. Yeah, we... Yeah, and and I've also I've always hustled, you know. I'm not like hustle people, but <laughs> but I've always had um you know, a bunch of different things going at the same time. And so I and Chris, you know, he's an artist, but he has a 9 to 5 job in an arts foundation. Um so so I guess we've we've felt like we had enough stability that in you know in that regard that that we could do it um but it was also just time now she's here yeah <laughs> You know, I did some, I did some, I, well, I, I was with this little writing group for a little while and I started working on a play and I really love to write. I really enjoy it. It was a big focus in the, the high school that I went to and middle school. And then it was a big focus at Sarah Lawrence. Um, but I, I feel like in the theater and the TV world and film world diversity is most important right now at this time and place and I just don't it's not that I don't have anything to say but I just think that other voices need to be heard more than mine right now with the my blog it was a little different because that was just kind of for fun and and it was it didn't cost anybody anything and I tried to incorporate diversity in in um, some of the writing the the play that I was working on but I wasn't coming at it from a place of you know that like this is what I know and I didn't feel 
authentic, I guess, in in writing it. I don't know if you've seen Aziz Ansari's show that came out on Netflix. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just want everything to look like that and be like that, you know? Um, And I was so upset with the you know with the Oscars this year and that no people of color were nominated and the Black Lives Matter movement has been really big and important to my students up at Sarah Lawrence and I just I I, for whatever reason and maybe it's a cop-out on my part but I just I would like to support other voices I think at this time because I feel like the experiences that I've had have been heard a lot before um, which is not to say that I that I don't have something new to say about them but I think it's time for for other other stories to be told I re- I mean I really I really go back to cooking and I'll make you know some big project or something but to me that's really gratifying and not in the foodie like obsessive way that every that has sort of Yeah no I don't like I don't take pictures of my food when I go out to eat like I I eat it and enjoy it and it was just something that I grew up with. And my mom, when back in the 70s, when she was living in Philadelphia, uh, there, were, there were a group of friends, and they would get together, and they would cook. And they would cook French food and Indian and Italian. And they, you know, before the word foodie was even a word, um, they were just experimenting and, and exploring and making things at home that you also couldn't get in a restaurant at that time. And so growing up, being in the kitchen with my mother is one of my fondest memories. And hearing that NPR theme song in the background that comes on like right around dinner time. Um, and she... It's a comforting place for you. Yeah. Because I feel in control and I feel... Like I can make something delicious and and nourishing, and I can see. I mean, we talked about this, but I can see the. You know, my effort, right in front of me, um, and it's ephemeral the way that theater is too. You know, it's like you make it and then it's done. It's gone. It's not like something that you have to hang on the wall and then look at for like the rest of your life. Right. Right. God, having a baby really puts a damper on one's social life or like on what on plays. Yes, Aziz Ansari's show. Oh, oh my God, reading. When I don't even have time to read a children's book. Um, 
Well, I really love Elizabeth Mitchell. Um, she's uh, a singer, and she has some children's albums that are really lovely. What would Lena's recommendation be? What's her favorite thing right now? <laughs> the book called Good Night by Ethan Long. <laughs> and it's animals making animal sounds, saying good night to each other. my pleasure it was nice talking to you listening to the compass podcast i'm leah walsh more episodes are coming soon please look for us on facebook in itunes i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the compass cover art is by kim miller music by brendan spieth audio assistance from nick choksi and a special thanks to frankie j alvarez see you next time Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.